Hello. It is so great to see everyone. And this is awesome because they did a thank you um, for the Awana, and I actually have something for um, Scott and Tara. Would you come up, please? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it is not easy doing children's ministry during COVID. Trust me, <laughs> it is challenging. And these two, they come with a smile on their face. They come with love in their hearts for our wanted kids. And we just want to say a small token of our appreciation. We love you guys. Thank you so much. I am so glad to see all of you here today. It's been a busy weekend. It really has. Um, I cannot possibly tell you how awesome this church is and the cast and crew and the behind the scenes and the costumers of the live nativity. There's no possible way we could have pulled this off without you. And you have been an inspiration to me personally. And the cars going through and the comments and the people commenting online, just how wonderful it is. They keep saying, please do this again. I think we're going to have to do it again. <laughs> I think we're pretty much stuck with that. <laughs> so I'm just very blessed to be a part of a very caring church family. And the thing that sets this church maybe apart from others is their focus on our community and how they work tirelessly to show the love of Christ to the community. And I'm very grateful for all of you. So I just want to say a great big welcome to those watching online. And I pray that you will join your brothers and sisters that are here in this room in spirit and that we may all learn and grow together today. Today I'd like to take you on a journey. I'd like us to study the choice of one man and how his choice changed the outcome of the most important story on earth when Jesus was born in a manger. Our character today is kind of a small minor character and he does get a lot of flack for his choice. But we're going to kind of walk with him today and we're going to learn from his mistakes and we're also going to learn how we can apply it to our lives. If you drive around our Bethlehem village here on the church property, you will see his place of business called the Bethlehem Inn. Our character today is the innkeeper and our journey together is called the innkeeper's path. We're going to walk to two destinations together today. The first one is going to be the inn, and the second one is going to be the stable. At both of these destinations, we will discover some truth and we'll make some choices. And I hope that today you will make choices that will forever change the way that you view the Christmas story. So let's walk the path to our first destination. Let's walk the path to the inn. The path to the inn, number one, is full of questions. That's your first fill-in today. It's full of questions. Why did God send Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem? Well, let's look at some of the reasons. The whole country was going through a census, and Mary and Joseph were descendants of King David. And Bethlehem was the city of David. So they were required to go there. They had to go to Bethlehem because that is where they were registered. They didn't have the luxury of being able to file at home or through the post office or over the internet. 
And if you look possibly at your voter registration card, you know how it says where you have to go to vote? Well, that's kind of what they had to do. Because of where I live, I have to vote at a little church in Asheville, Ohio. But if I were to go somewhere else, they would say, you're not registered here. And so Joseph and Mary had to go to their place of registration to pay their tax. Another reason that they went to Bethlehem is that God foretold this fact centuries before through his prophets. Bethlehem had been ordained as the birthplace of Christ. Micah was a prophet who lived 700 years before Jesus. And he wrote in Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem Euphrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So God had a distinct plan for having his son born in the city of David, which was Bethlehem. He had carved out this moment on the timeline of history, meticulously planning each detail and sharing those details with prophets centuries before. Doesn't that make you full of awe and wonder when you think of that? It truly shows how mighty and powerful God truly is. He was even aware of the innkeeper and the choice that he was going to make. Not only was the path to the end full of questions, it was, number two, full of closed doors. Full of closed doors. I did a little research on the uh, different kind of inns that existed uh, during Greek and Roman times back then, and they were very prevalent throughout the land, and some of them um, would have a wall of protection around it for, uh, for robbers and thieves. Um, a large inn might have a courtyard with a lot of rooms around the edges. Some of the inns had bad reputations. Uh, people would stop there only to get robbed. It was pretty bad. But they all were places of rest. They were places where travelers could, could uh, find a place to, to rest and then start their journey the next day. Uh, in Mark chapter 14, it, he refers to an inn or lodging place as a private home. Let's read about that. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it's customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house, he enters. The teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So in some cases, an inn would just be an extra room that they would rent out to make some money. We also learn about, in Luke chapter 10, verse 34, about the Good Samaritan when he rescued the man who had been beaten badly and left on the side of the road. He took him to an inn, and he actually found a really nice innkeeper, and he paid him to take care of the man and to nurse him back to health. So we discover there are, more different, there are a lot of different types of inns, but the most common theme is that they were a restful place. Have you ever taken a really long trip and you booked a room ahead of time and it took you a lot longer to get there than what you thought? 
And by the time you got there, were you like, just give me my key and let me go to bed? <laughs> um, sometimes we get uh, on a long trip, we think, oh, we can do 12 hours, no, no problem. You know, and by the time we get there, it's 15 hours. And we are like, why did we do this? We've also been in situations where we went into big cities and uh, there's been no hotels and we didn't book ahead of time because we were stupid. All right? And so we're literally going from place to place. And so we learned quickly, you better book it ahead of time because you just don't know. But can you imagine that when they arrived, they, I'm sure, went from end to end in, village, in, in the village, and they were frantic. Why were they frantic? Because Mary was going to give birth. You know what I find interesting about the innkeeper, and we, we are going to kind of give him a little hard time today because we don't know a lot of information, but it's interesting that even when he gave them the stable to stay in, um, didn't he know like a midwife or a physician in the area? Couldn't he have done something to say, I have a couple, they're in the stable, I think she's going to give birth, she needs help. His help was as little as possible. And didn't he have concern over Mary's well-being? If we turn on the television or watch a movie and there's any kind of pregnant woman who's going to give birth, everything screeches to a halt, 911, you know, everyone drops what they're doing because this is an emergency, right? Wouldn't we do that in real life? If you were in a situation where someone, oh my goodness, I'm going to give birth, wouldn't you drop everything and say, and call for help? So to me, it's, this is a little tough to accept this innkeeper's choice because he didn't seem, other than just letting them stay where the animals were, he didn't seem to be very concerned. The innkeeper's place of business was filled with those who held the important spaces and the expensive rooms, and he gave them top priority because their money paid to him to rent the space. The fact that the stable was even available showed that the innkeeper didn't even rent it out to, to low-paying customers because he hadn't put anyone in there. He didn't even think to rent out that ahead of time to anyone who needed it. So, at least when he saw their predicament, he said, I have a stable, you're welcome to it. So the situation that we look at right now does seem a little hopeless, but I have some good news, and I want you to listen really carefully. God is used to closed doors. He's very used to that. People all throughout history have been closing their doors to God. Even in the garden, surrounded by the most beauty and magnificence we could possibly imagine, man still disobeyed God and broke his heart. Our society has closed their doors to God. In my lifetime, abortion became legal, prayer stopped in schools, government has made many steps to exclude God from their lives. All throughout our land, putting any sort of reference to Christmas, such as nativity scenes, are barred from public places because people don't want it. Still, even though society can close its doors to God, the message of him sending his son to earth through a virgin still rings clear today. Amen. He is not, I repeat, he is not intimidated by closed doors because he always has a backup plan. Always. 
and he always will have his will come to pass. Mere men can never stand in the place of God's plan. Sometimes I imagine that God actually embraces closed doors because it just gives him another opportunity to show that he is God. We've seen that time and time again. On this path to the end, we will indeed encounter questions and closed doors, but the third thing that we may encounter on the path to the end is it will be full of decisions. Full of decisions. Let's talk about Joseph. For the sake of time, I may not read the scripture, but remember when the angel came to him at the very beginning of the, of the story and tells him that Mary is conceived by the Holy Spirit and that she's going to birth the Messiah, he had a really big decision to make, didn't he? I can't imagine. And the Lord impressed upon him don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife and stand firm on the promise that I'm giving you. In order for God's plan to work, Joseph made the tremendous decision to trust God. Joseph was being asked by God to believe a miracle. Now, let me, let, let's think about this for a second. A miracle that had never happened in the history of mankind and would never happen again. Think about that. This is only one time that this happens. And I'm sure we are faced from time to time with decisions that we think require a lot of faith or a huge amount of obedience. How can that compare to what God asked Joseph to accept? So we are thankful that Joseph agreed to trust God even when it made no sense. That's something that we as Christians will be faced with a lot. We can't, I'm a very rational person and I love to make sense of things and I will think about them very hard and talk about them quite a bit to make it make sense to me. How many of you are like me? Do you need things to make sense? Aren't we faced with a lot of things that don't make sense? Last week in Kids Church, I was telling the story of the nativity to grades K through five. And afterwards, a little third grader, he was new, he was new that week and he came up And he had so many questions, and he said, okay, so God was Jesus' real dad, so who did God marry in heaven so Jesus could be born as a baby on the earth? Pretty good question, right? (laughs) So, of course, I explained it the best way I could, but I just kept saying, God performed a miracle so Jesus could be in in Mary's tummy. And it was neat because, you know, children, they have a lot of faith. They really do. A lot of times more than adults, right? (laughs) And I said, what what we have to remember is we're not going to understand it, but the Bible says it, and we believe it. And that was enough for him. So let's fast forward to the stable, and Mary is about to give birth. Joseph had to be extremely worried about Mary. He was also worried about the child that was coming. Can you imagine the overwhelming responsibility he felt? He knew this was God's son, and he knew they had been chosen, and he knew God was with them. But in our human minds, how could he possibly comprehend that being in a stable surrounded with animals was the place that God had chosen? He probably expected the innkeeper to come at any moment. Hey guys, I have found a room for you. Um, I'll give you my room. Think about that. 
He probably expected that, wouldn't you? If you were in a stable with your wife ready to give birth, wouldn't you expect that someone would show some compassion? I'm sure his mind must have reeled with the realization of his plight and wishing, if I could just find a better place for my wife. But finally, he realized this is happening. And I'm sure he prayed, God help us, God help us. I'm sure that he was completely in awe of the moment and how mankind would never, ever be the same. So at that point, Joseph made the decision to yield to God's plan for this miracle that was about to happen. He had to realize that accepting God's path was the only wise choice. So we're all going to be faced with decisions. It may not be as quite as big as what Joseph had to go through. But we're going to have a lot of questions along the path. We're going to have some closed doors. And we're going to have to make some decisions. So at this point in the story, the innkeeper had made the first decision that brought us to the stable. And he had the opportunity to make more decisions after that. I kind of imagine, surely, after the birth of Jesus, the innkeeper reached out to them. Maybe did he go check on them, or did he offer them food and apologize that he hadn't made room for them? We can only hope that he did that. We kind of have to leave him at this point in our story, hoping that he did the right thing. Can you imagine that the, the atmosphere that had to be around that stable when Jesus was born? Can you imagine the Holy Spirit of God resting upon that stable? I can imagine anybody that was walking in any kind of close proximity felt something. Amen. They had to. So we hope that the innkeeper's life was forever changed. And hopefully, he went to check on them and he sensed the Spirit of God. And hopefully, he opened up his heart. So my friend, will you now leave the inn with me, and will you walk the few steps to the stable? Again, in our village outside, it's only a few steps. But everything changes from the inn to the stable. As we walk this path, we are faced with some more things that we need to consider. So now let's talk about the path to the stable. Imagine you're standing in front of the stable. You see the scene before you. You have some choices to make. First of all, you can make an important choice, and that choice is, number one, to be accepting of your situation. Joseph and Mary are wonderful examples of people having to accept their situation. Mary was faced with ridicule and possible stoning when she became pregnant out of wedlock. Joseph was faced with people's opinions of them and his reputation being forever tarnished. They were both so young, and they were given the most unbelievable news that they would be the parents of the Messiah. Think about this. Nobody in history had ever been given that responsibility before, and nobody since. I dare say none of us have been faced with a situation so seemingly bleak as they had. None of us can fathom how this responsibility weighed heavy on them. It kind of puts our own problems into a better perspective when we think about that. Let's read Philippians chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any 
and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. What a powerful scripture. We all really need to embrace that more. I speak to myself as well as you. We've got to learn the art of contentment in God's will. And we cannot be always focused on what should be or what would be or anything. We, because if we are truly the people of God and we exhibit that contentment to the world, it's something that they will want. It's something that they all, everybody wants to have contentment and peace. It doesn't matter what background, it doesn't matter what religion, it doesn't matter anything. Everybody seeks that. I'm sure that many of you are walking up to your stable at this point in your life. Let me ask you a question. Are you in a state of disbelief at the situation that surrounds you today? Are you facing a health crisis or a family problem or maybe even an addiction? You find yourself perhaps in a place you never thought you'd be. You look around in disbelief, kind of like Joseph did, that you have to deal with the circumstances that you're dealing with. What can you do when you find yourself staring at your stable and feeling hopeless. Well, I want to give you some good news. You are in very good company today. I look around this room and I see many people who have faced a lot of hardships and they've had hopeless situations. And they have turned to the only solution that has any answers and that's God. They have knelt before the Christ child in the stable and they have given him their lives, their future, their unanswered questions, everything. You can do that too. So that leads us to the second point. As you enter the stable, will you be accepting of the Christ child? Will you by faith accept that this story is true? If you accept it's the truth, you can't leave it there. The acceptance of this story demands a response from you. I think that one of the hardest things in our culture today is the danger of apathy. Some people are in the, in the culture of acceptance, accept all religions and all paths to God because they want to be tolerant. Unfortunately, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible always wants us to show love to anybody who has a different religion or different view. We never have an have a excuse to be mean or nasty to anybody for any reason. But the Bible does say that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So if we believe the Bible is true, then we must accept him to get to heaven. Amen. It's a tough message these days. People have kind of shied away from it. I have a, a very dear friend that just kind of believes, you know, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But I also believe that a lot of different religions have some really good points. And I think if anybody's in another religion and they're just trying their best, they're fine. It's a tough, that's a tough thing. Apathy is a real danger. John 14, 5 and 6 says this. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I ask you now, as you're looking at the stable, have you made it personal yourself? Have you accepted the Christ child as the savior of your heart? If you haven't, I pray that you'll do so today. Neil Maxwell has a great quote and he says this, each of us is an innkeeper who decides if there's room for Jesus. It's very true. So if you have accepted him and, in, and you've accepted him into your heart, then you can move on to point number three. You can move on to accepting of his plan for you. Matthew 6, verses 26 and 27 says this. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? I want to remind all of us, especially in this COVID crisis, not one of us can even control whether we live one more day. We don't know the future. We can't ascertain what will happen next week, next month, or next year. I think 2020 has proven that, don't you? It's been very challenging. It still remains that way. But I want to give you some hope. There is such a comfort when you are walking with God and you're walking in obedience to his will. Until you experience that, there's really not a way for me to adequately communicate it. Because if you're on the other side and you haven't brought Jesus into your heart, I could say it till the cows come home <laughs> and you wouldn't get it. It's only when you trust God and ask forgiveness of your sins and move to the other side into a salvation mode that you can possibly feel that. I know that there are many in this room today that would give testimony to the peace and comfort of God. Your testimony is a powerful thing. You will still face hardships as a child of God. You will still face uncertainty and you'll still have problems. After all, we're not in heaven. We're on a fallen earth. But God will cover you with such a calmness and a peace and an assurance that he is leading you and he's guiding you. So I challenge you today, stand in the stable, accept the Christ child, and accept his plans for you. If you struggle with the unknown, ask yourself, if you can't control what's happening in the next five minutes, how do you think you can control your life in any way? All we can do is make a good attempt, right? We don't even know what will happen when we leave the church today. Do you really think that you have a better plan for your life than the king of the universe has? How can we? We're nothing. We're mere mortals. We're flesh and bone. If that's true, if you truly believe that you can chart your own course, then you, you really have some issues that you've got to give to God. It's a tough thing to trust. I don't want to belittle that. I've had many people close to me that have struggled with that, for, some of them for years and years. Some of them just keep thinking, well, if I trust God and if I become a Christian, he's going to ask me to do this, 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 this. I don't want to do that. 
they're, they're actually making assumptions about what God's going to ask them to do. And a lot of them stay on the other side of obedience because of that fear. But it's actually a dangerous place to be. If we truly accept the word of God as true, we must do something about it. We must. Something else that is a byproduct of being a child of God is it's a very exciting adventure. I will tell you that. There are so many twists and turns and surprises along the way. Things have happened in my life I could have never dreamed of. I could have never thought of. But God is faithful. And it's actually really fun to walk the path with him. Because you have such confidence in him that you don't sit and worry and you don't sit and fret about things and you have joy. Everybody wants that. When you reflect on the story that I've told you today and the path to the inn and the path to the stable, don't you see how creative that God is? Can you imagine how dull the story would have been if Mary and Joseph had been showed the best room in the inn and been surrounded by caring doctors and nurses and shown the very best of care? Well, that's what Jesus truly deserved, right? But God chose to let the story play out in this way so that his glory could be revealed in the best way possible. Many of you have driven through or been a part of the live nativity this weekend. And aren't you struck by the simplistic nature of God's plan and how it communicates to us that God loves us so much? By doing so, it allows each of us to approach the stable and say this, is the Savior for me? Can I accept God's plan for me? And I hope that each of you today will respond with a resounding yes. I accept him, and I accept everything about him. I accept his salvation, and I accept him for my future. I love this ABCs of receiving Christ. We've kind of put that in our, our notes several times, but they're very simple. How do I receive him? Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short. And letter A is, Admit that I've sinned. It's not hard. If any of us thinks we're perfect, that's a whole other sermon. <laughs> Just admit it. None of us are perfect, and we've all sinned. Then the letter B is believe that God loves me and will forgive me. John 1.12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. What an amazing thought that we can be the children of God. And then the letter C Confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Romans 10.9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. And something I want you to, to really concentrate on, if you've done that in the past or if you do that today, accept, expect opposition from our enemy, the devil. Because he will try to convince you that you didn't. He will try to tell you it's nothing. It's amazing how he can twist stuff. But what I tell people in counseling situations and everything, stand on God's word. It's the only thing that we have that is never changing, 
it is stable, it is true. And so you go back to the word for assurance. You go back to the word for the truth. You stay a part of a church family. You encourage each other. When you're down, you reach out to brother or sister or to your pastors. Because it's a journey. This path to the inn and this path to the stable and this path out of here today, it's challenging. We all know that. And don't do it by yourself. I beg you. Being apart is tough. And if you are worshiping at home, I challenge you, do something to be connected. Do stuff online. Uh, watch the services, obviously. Be connected with the other, other men and women of God because um, it's dangerous to be by yourself too much. It really is. So I just want us um, to watch a short video here in a minute. I'm gonna explain it to you. Um, I ran across this song, and it's a song from the innkeeper's perspective. And um, he kind of explains a little bit his story, and then um, we imagine that he accepted the Christ child. We pray he did. We hope he did. But I want you to just kind of put yourself in the innkeeper's um, role and just let this song kind of speak to your heart. And when this is over, we'll say a prayer. Forgotten. No one recalls my name. Thousands of years will fail to fully erase my shame. I turned a prophet nicely that day, but I turned a couple away. I turn them away. I didn't sleep that evening, though I'd sold out my place. Somehow I felt uneasy. Something about her face. Why did I wish that I'd let them stay? I don't think they could have paid. He never would condemn me. No, I did that on my own He offered his forgiveness And ever since then I've known That he lets us choose each hour of each day If we'll let him in to stay Let him in Let him in let the joy and the hope begin. Let him in. Let him in. 
choices to make. We all are going to be faced with something that's bigger than us. We're actually also going to be faced with what do we do with Jesus? Are we going to approach him with apathy? Oh, he was a great teacher, and, but there's so much truth in other religions as well. I pray not. I pray not. So I just want you to bow your heads for a moment and let's just walk through the ABCs together. And if you have not accepted Jesus, what a perfect time to do that. This is the Christmas season. This is the joy of God sending his son to earth. So let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you today. And the first thing that I want to admit to you is that I've sinned. And Lord, as, as I look across this room, and I know we've all been in that place. But the difference is, what did we do about it? By admitting our sin, we're saying, Lord, I need you. I can't possibly pay the price for what I've done, but you promised to do that. So Lord, right now, I just invite you into my heart by admitting my sin, and I believe you. I believe what you said is true. I'm gonna reach out in my faith, as little as it might be, I'm gonna reach out and I'm going to accept your salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for giving it as a free gift. We are so undeserving, but yet you give it anyways. And then, after I've done those two things, I'm going to confess you as my Lord and my Savior. Make it personal to you. You're the only one that can do that. No one can do that for you. So Lord, as we confess our sins and we accept you, we believe you, and we accept you right now. We're so grateful for you, Lord. Thank you for bringing us through a really tough year. Lord, give us our, the wisdom and the guidance to move forward. And most of all, Lord, 
be the Lord of our hearts in everything. Give us the joy that only you can bring. Give us the peace that when we lay our head down at night, we know that everything is fine between us and between you. Lord, there's nothing more important than that. So I just ask you right now, if you're accepting Jesus in your heart, I pray that you'll reach out in faith right now. You will listen to his word. His word is true. There's nothing about his word to doubt. It is the truth. Reach out right now and accept him as your Savior. Jesus, we give you much glory and much praise for your word today. We thank you for this story. We pray that you will really prick our hearts. Help us to not be like the innkeeper, but to readily accept you in, as part of our daily lives. Anytime that you're wanting in, anytime that you're wanting to do a new work in us, you're asking us for another step of obedience that maybe we don't understand. Lord, help us to readily say, yes. Yes, we know that you have good plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans for a hope, plans for a future, and we trust in those plans. There is no plan we can make that could possibly be effective like your plan for us. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all for your wonderful, kind attention today. Uh, we are so excited about the last night of Nativity. Uh, come out, bring your friends. It's going to be a little bit colder, so pray for our cast and crew because we're going to bundle up and we're going to be out there. Bring your family. Tell your neighbors. You realize over 700 people have went through already? 700. And you know what? It's God that has brought them. You know, we've put it out on Facebook. We've told a few, you know, told people as best we can. But God is bringing them because of the message of the wonderful story of Jesus. And we're so grateful. Tonight's probably going to be the biggest night. So come out, pray for us, and pray for the church in general that we'll move forward the way that God wants us to.